Today's scripture reading is John 4, verses 7 through 10. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his I don't word. think there's any denying that Christmas is one of the more popular holidays of the year. And let's be honest, it's not hard to see why. It's at Christmas time that we sing and we hear. We've already done so this morning. We sing and we hear uh, great songs. We, we get to enjoy great food and, and there's wonderful fellowship times. I mean, it seems like there's a party every weekend during Christmas time. I mean, not only is there food, not only is there great songs, but then there's all the decorations. Doesn't the church look beautiful with all these decorations? And, and, and brothers and sisters, if you have never been to New York City during Christmas, you need to add it to your bucket, bucket list, okay? It's just beautiful. Rockefeller Center, the, 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 the Macy's windows on Fifth Avenue, it's a beautiful thing to see. One song, I think, gets it right when it says that Christmas time is what? It's the most wonderful time of the year. These trappings around Christmas time make it an enjoyable holiday for many. But I believe what really takes Christmas over the top and, and why it is such a, be a beloved holiday and I am sure the children among us would agree, it's the gifts. It's the gifts. Let's be real. Children are not excited about, the, uh, about Christmas morning because of the songs and because of the Christmas decorations. They are excited about the gifts. I know that's why I loved Christmas so much growing up. It was the anticipation of receiving what I asked for or being surprised by what I didn't expect. Yes, we love songs, we love the songs, we love food and the decorations, but it is the exchanging of gifts that really endears this holiday to many. The truth is, no matter how much you try, you can't separate Christmas from the gifts. They are a part, a huge part of the holiday. Christmas is about gifts, but, but we must acknowledge that gift giving around Christmas often can and does take away from the main reason for the season. The unintended consequences of giving gifts at Christmas is that we can sometimes forget the greatest gift that came to us at Christmas. Or what is perhaps even more common, we treat the greatest gift as though he is just like the gifts we give to each other. 
And how do we treat the gifts that we give to each other, right? We, we fake excitement. Oh, look at this lovely tie. <laughs> just, just what I needed, another tie, right? We use it for a little while and then throw it in the closet never to be seen again. How many of us still have that toy or gadget or piece of clothing item that we really wanted, that we really believe that we needed? How many of us still have that gift from when we were a child? I remember, I remember one year really wanting a portable stereo. Now, a portable stereo, you know, it had a cassette tape and these things called cassettes and CDs and had detachable speakers. I, I really wanted and believed that I needed that portable stereo radio. Do I still have it today? No. <laughs> I don't have it. Don't need it. It's since past technology has improved. You see, our enamor, we, we, we outgrow gifts. We, we exchange with one another. Not only that, we trade in it in for something that we believe is better. Or the gifts we receive, we lack gratitude and appreciation for the gift. You see, it's easy to treat the greatest gift like we treat the gifts that we exchange with one another. Our enamor with gifts around Christmas can easily draw our attention away from and even cause us to mistreat the gift of God. Now, now listen, brothers and sisters, the, the goal of this sermon is, to not, is, is not to make you feel guilty about giving and receiving gifts. If you've done your Christmas shopping and everything like that, you don't need to take them back after this message, right? This isn't, uh, we're not going to bash gifts. Gifts are not a bad thing. As James says, all good and perfect gifts come from above. Gifts have the ability to foster, gift giving have the ability to foster generosity. And when we receive gifts, it fosters gratitude in us. This, this is not a bash on the commercialization of Christmas. That's, what, that's not what this message is about. This message is about the greatest gift given and appreciating and celebrating him. My hope this morning is that as we reflect on the gift of God, that it would help us to see the gifts we receive from one another, that we would, that we would see them in perspective. That, that we would be able to enjoy them in light of the greatest gift given. The backdrop for our message this morning is a familiar passage. The encounter Jesus has with the Samaritan woman was a subject of a sermon, uh, of another sermon, just a few weeks back. But this morning, we want to focus on a different aspect. Jesus, you remember the story? He strikes up a, a conversation with a Samaritan woman. A, a Samaritan woman who was at a well, and she was there drawing water. And you remember Jesus comes up to her, and he asks her for a drink of water. 
But, but this request, she's caught off guard by this request because uh, culturally and customarily speaking, Jesus, she recognized as a Jew, and she was a Samaritan, and these, they, they were not supposed to interact. They did not interact, both culturally and customarily. So she is perplexed by Jesus' question of, of him asking her for a drink of water, and she answers back with the question, how can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink of water? Jesus answered with the following statement, and this is the, sub, this is the, this is the subject for our time this morning. John 4.10, he says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. If you knew the gift of God, Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, it would bring clarity and fulfillment and the fulfillment you are looking for. So, so that is what we want to do this morning. We want to explore and get to know better the gift of God. That we may have clarity and fulfillment. The clarity and fulfillment that is only found in Jesus. Before we do that, I think it would be helpful to reflect a little bit on the one who gives the gift. The one who gives the gifts. It is the gift of God. Who is the giver of this gift? God is, God the Father is the one who gives the gift. And I want to impress upon you that God is a gift giver. He is a gift giver. He is the giver of gifts. Understand this, our Heavenly Father, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, is not stingy. He's not stingy. He could never be accused of such a thing. No, brothers and sisters, the God of the Bible, he is full of generosity. He is an extravagant giver. God doesn't hoard. He doesn't skimp on the gifts he gives you. The, the Bible describes a God who is, guess what, scandalously generous. Scandalously generous. Paul alludes to this generosity in Romans 8 by appealing to reason and rationale. Listen to this, Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You see the reason there? Doesn't, doesn't that say that God is a generous and extravagant giver? Oh, listen to the psalmist in Psalm 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. What? No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God is generous. He is a giver of good and generous gifts. I've had the privilege of knowing some very generous people. 
I've, I've, been, I've also been the recipient of countless acts of generosity that have been shown to me. Brothers and sisters, I can tell you some, some stories of people who have been generous and blessed me in significant, and my family and, and this church in significant ways. These acts have left me humbled and blown away. Words can't express the gratitude and the sense of unworthiness that these generous gestures have produced in me. But I must tell you, with all the generous people I have encountered and all the generous acts I have seen on display, it pales in comparison to the generosity of God. What do they say, right? You can't outgive God. <laughs> you can't, you cannot outgive God. Think about this. The greatest ph- philanthropist the world has ever known. I, I think Bill Gates is shooting for that distinction, but I don't think he's going to catch uh, Andrew Carnegie. It, the, Bill Gates, Andrew Carnegie are no match for God. God is a generous giver. And the scriptures bear that out. Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. The Lord, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now listen. This verse is sometimes used to manipulate people into giving. And it is a verse about giving. We should give. The Lord calls us to give, but the emphasis is not on our giving. The emphasis on this, mind, on this mind-blowing generosity is the generosity of the Lord, God Almighty. That's what's being communicated here. He is not stingy. He gives generously. He gives, he gives, he gives. What does he give? I'm glad you asked. I am glad you asked. Now sit tight, because there's some verses here. We're going to go through some verses, but sit tight. He gives, he gives, he, he gives life. Job 33 and 4. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. He gives wealth and possessions. Ecclesiastes 5.19. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possession and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. Oh, he gives to his beloved sleep. Psalm 127.2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. He gives us a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. He gives counsel, Psalm 16, 7. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. He gives Holy Spirit, Luke 11 and 13. 
if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And brothers and sisters, He gives grace, James 4 and 6, but He gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You, you, you see? You see? You see? These are just some, a, a few of the wonderful gifts that the Lord gives. And, and these gifts speak to his generosity because you know what? You know what these gifts are? These gifts are just stocking stuffers. Do you, you see it? These are just stocking stuffers. You, you know what stocking stuffers are, those, those little gifts that are just extras, little thoughtful trinkets that people put in stockings, but the stocking stuffers are, of God are not little. They're not little. These gifts are substantial, and they communicate the generosity of God because these aren't even his greatest gift. They're wonderful gifts. They're substantial gifts, but those aren't even his greatest gift. They are just the benefits that flow from his one glorious gift. In other words, the gift of God is the gift that keeps on giving. That's the gift of God. We, we serve a generous God who gives, who gives, who gives. All those gifts. Things I mentioned, they, they're just stocking stuffers. They pale even in comparison to the greatest gift given. The greatest gift of God he would have us to know is his son, Jesus. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Standing next to that woman at the well was God's greatest gift. And she had no idea just how glorious that gift was. Brothers and sisters, I fear that our, our infatuation with gifts cause us to take for granted and even perhaps miss the glorious gift of God. His gift is incomparable to the gifts we exchange with one another. It's incomparable. They're incomparable. So, for the rest of our time this morning, I want to highlight the glorious aspects of the gift of God with the hopes of us remembering again, or maybe for some of us, seeing for the first time that Jesus is the greatest gift that has ever been given. And furthermore, if you receive him, he will be the greatest gift you will ever receive. Now the question is, why is that the case? Why is Jesus the greatest gift given and the, and the greatest gift received? Why is, this the, why is the gift of God that way? Well, the gift of God, the reason this is, the gift of God is God himself. The gift of God is God himself. You know, in our materialistic culture, 
many have come to believe that giving people material items are the best gifts. Diamond earrings. Puppies. Although I heard recently, somebody say, I read something that says, somebody said, uh, puppies aren't Christmas gifts, they're 10 to 15 year commitments. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I got a 10 to 15 year commitment at home. Right? We think diamond earrings or puppies or toys, gaming system, clothes and, and shoes, you name it. We believe these are the best gifts we can give and even receive. But I would argue, and I think many of you would agree, that some of the best, if not the best gifts given, is the presence of loved ones. It is what, Ma what Mariah Carey is getting at in her song, All I Want for Christmas is You, right? Parents want their children home for the holidays. Loved ones want to be together. Presence, fellowship, togetherness is what makes for the best gifts. And that is what makes the gift of God so glorious. His gift to us is himself. It's himself. Behold, Matthew 1 and 23 says, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. On that first Christmas morning, there wasn't expensive jewelry or a new gadget wrapped in a box. No it, there in that manger was God himself wrapped in human flesh. God showed up. God showed up. Our creator, our redeemer, our covenant-keeping God made a promise long ago that he was coming to set things right, and he came. He came and fulfilled his promise. He gave us his presence. What a gift. You have been the recipients of God himself, the Alpha and the Omega, the sovereign God of the universe who is all-powerful and all-knowing, full of compassion and love. He is the one who has come. He gave himself to us, and he came bearing gifts, bearing gifts. The gifts he had, his, his, presence, his presence would bring peace, peace it would bring. Isaiah 9 and 6, for unto, us, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He would bring peace. But not only that, his presence would bring salvation. What did the angel tell Joseph? In Matthew 1 and 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came, gave us his presence, his gift to us was himself, and he brought peace, and he brought salvation. What makes the gift of God so glorious is that he gifted us himself. But not only that, the gift of God is personalized. It's personal. It's personal. You know, gifts that are personalized really do take that gift to a whole nother level. 
when, when someone takes the time to have something engraved with your name on it or it has a personalized message etched into the material, it means that they thought about that gift. It communicates that, that they bought that gift specifically for you. It's yours. Your name is on it. it belongs to you. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ was sent to you. To you. He was given. He is a gift given to you. I, I know that we read, like what we read before in John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his Son. And that is right. God's love for the world was the, was the motivation for forgiving his son. But please understand that this general love for the world is trumped by his particular love for you. His love for you. Listen, if you believe in Jesus, then he has loved you with a particular love. He sent his son for you personally. Jesus has been given to you. He, he knows you. Romans 8 and 29, for those whom he foreknew, that is a personal knowledge. That isn't looking down through the corridors of history and loving you because he thought that you would believe in him. No, this is a personal knowledge, an intimate knowledge. He knows you. And here's the deal. If you have responded to his call, he knows you. You know him. John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. And then he would later say in John 10 and 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. The, the, the particular love of Christ is a glorious reality. I think the songwriter gets it right in his stanza in be Before the Throne of God. He says, my name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. You belong to Jesus, and he belongs to you. Your name is written on his heart. And therefore, you don't, you don't have to wonder if Jesus still loves you. You don't have to worry if God is going to take, take him back from you. No, no, he was sent for you. He died on the cross for you. The gift of God is personal. It's personal. Personal. But we should also know that the gift of God is undeserved. It's undeserved. I'm sure you're familiar with the popular Christmas song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. That song is known for a verse that many have used to try to get their children to behave and act right. right? You know how the verse goes, you know how it goes. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice. He's gonna find out who's naughty or nice. Well, brothers and sisters, Santa may be keeping a list, but God doesn't keep a naughty or nice list. 
He doesn't keep a naughty or nice list. In fact, if he did, no one would be on the nice list. No one would be on the nice list. I don't know about you, but I'm glad God doesn't have such a list when it comes to his gift. The wonderful reality is that God's greatest gift to us is not predicated on our behavior. God is not searching for those who have been nice and therefore deserving of his gift. He would have no one to give his gift to then. You remember when Abraham told, when when Yahweh told Abraham that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham pleaded with the Lord to save the righteous. Certainly, Lord, there are some righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah. And you remember what God said, and I'm I'm paraphrasing. God, God said, all right, go ahead. If you can find some righteous, go find them. I'll wait. Go find them. I'll wait. There was none. There was none to find. You see, if God kept a list, there would be no one on the list deserving of his gift. But this is why we call God's generosity scandalous. Because God gives his gift of Jesus not to the nice, but to the naughty. To the naughty. He freely, mercifully, and graciously gives his gift to the undeserving. Romans 5, 6, and 8. For while we were still weak, at the right, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one scarcely will scarcely die for a, a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the gift of God you and I receive is undeserved. It's undeserved. He gives his greatest gift to unworthy, undeserving sinners. Which means... God doesn't look at people like we look at them. He doesn't judge them like we judge. He doesn't give tiered gifts based upon what you have or haven't done. The the value of his gift is not determined by the closeness of the relationship. The gift of Jesus is the gift God gives to all, and he does so indiscriminately. All you need do is receive it. All you need do is receive it. Whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. God's gift is given to all. The question is, will you receive it? For if you do, for if you do, you shall see that the gift of God is satisfying. It's satisfying. Getting any gift is a blessing and should cause us to have a heart of gratitude. But I am sure we can all testify to the feelings of joy experienced when you are given a gift that you really need, that it meets a need. Gifts that meet a a need are satisfying. They, They leave you contented. The gift of God in the person of 
Jesus Christ is all that and more. Jesus satisfies our greatest need. Our greatest need. He is the one who deals with our sin and reconciles our relationship to the Father. Brothers and sisters, people think they need clothes. They they think they need toys or, or the latest gadget. But the truth is, every human being born in this world has one pressing need. They need to be reconciled to a holy God. And and that can only happen if our sin is dealt with. We need a mediator. And at Christmas, God gave us the gift we need. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so, we, so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God sent Jesus to appease his wrath. His wrath against sin. Against your sin. To remove the anger. To remove the guilt to remove the shame so you and I could fulfill what we were created for, namely to worship God for all eternity. For all eternity, Jesus, as we have alluded to before, fills that God-shaped hole in our heart. Jesus fills the missing piece and and satisfies the longing of our heart. And here's the deal. When we receive Jesus we realize that he's it. That he's it. Jesus is all we ever wanted and all we will ever need. I don't need anything else. I've been given Jesus. He's all I need. All I've ever wanted. He is the missing piece that satisfies my soul. As the song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And and when you look full at his wonderful face, what happens? The things of this world grow strangely dim, right? You realize all that this world has to offer pales in comparison to having Jesus. You remember what Jesus said to the woman at the well about the living water. John 4, 13 and 14, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, speaking of the well, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. (laughs) The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the only gift you need because he is the only gift that satisfies. But he doesn't just satisfy in this world. He satisfies in the life to come. Jesus is the gift that gives for eternity. For eternity. This gift, it never goes out of style. This gift never rusts. This gift is always there. It is always satisfying the deep longing and desires of your soul. 
It's Jesus, the greatest gift given. The gift of God is personal. The gift of God is undeserved. The gift of God is satisfying. This gift from a great and glorious and generous God. So, this Christmas, as you exchange and receive gifts, don't, don't let, don't let what you receive or don't receive distract you from the gift of God. Don't, don't, don't let it happen. Jesus has been given to you. He has been given to you. He's your gift. He is the gift that you need. He is the gift that has been given to you. During this season, give gifts to one another. We should. <laughs> give, gen give generously to one another. Be those who receive gifts with a heart of gratitude. But remember, nothing under the Christmas tree is better than Jesus. Nothing is, is better than iPhone 15, nope, not going to do it, right? Even a new car, not going to do it. Puppies, they may be cute, but they're not going to be better than Jesus. And here's the thing. Maybe you don't exchange gifts. Maybe this Christmas you won't receive anything. But that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Because remember, you have Jesus. He is all that you've ever wanted, and he is all that you will need. He is the only one. Jesus is the only one that can satisfy you for all eternity. He is the gift of God from a generous, merciful, and kind, and glorious God. Receive him and find he will satisfy you, satisfy you for eternity. Let's pray.